You're listening to a podcast from Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, whose mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Roadrunner versus Coyote and Yosemite Sam, and it was like every Saturday morning, this is kind of how I started off my day as a little kid, but my favorite of all the Looney Tunes characters was uh, Sylvester the Cat versus Tweety Bird in their never-ending feud, right? I'm, I'm sure that stuff is still on today. Do, do our kids, you guys know, do you know what Sylvester the Cat and Tweety Bird is? Okay. I see it on t-shirts every once in a while, that's about, that's about it. So they had this feud, right, that just never ended. Well, it was inevitable at one point in the feud, uh, Sylvester the cat, who's kind of the, the bad character, and Tweety Bird's kind of the good character, Sylvester would have to make a moral choice, right? He'd have to choose between right and wrong. If he's going to do the right thing, he's going to do the wrong thing. And what would happen is a little, like, devil version of Sylvester would pop up on his shoulder, right? And it was like him dressed as a devil, and it would say, Sylvester, you should, like, beat Tweety Bird with a bat. And then a little, like, angel version of Sylvester would pop up as an older shoulder. It was like, no, you should, like, love Tweety Bird and, and be his friends. Well, you know, it was inevitable. Like, Sylvester the cat always chose the wrong path, and then he always wound up suffering the consequences from it. Well, similarly for our lives, we have to make choices on a daily basis, moral choices. And we don't have these little birds, you know, these little versions of ourselves that pop up on our shoulders. But a hundred times a day, we are pulled to make a wise choice or to make a foolish choice. We're pulled in one direction or the other. Uh, This is kind of what our graphic depicts in Proverbs, is life is being able to, to listen and then choose the direction that you're going to go. Choose the, the wise path or choose the folly path. Wisdom is knowing basically which path to, path to follow or which voice to listen to. So today in our new series on Proverbs, we're going to be talking about what is biblical wisdom. Uh, we're actually going to do eight messages in the book of Proverbs uh, this summer. Uh, Like I said, I'm going to kick off today talking about what is biblical wisdom. The first few messages are more overviews of Proverbs. Uh, Next week, Royce is going to be up, and he's going to teach through how do we become wise. I'll have another message on what is foolishness after that. And those messages will pretty much cover the first nine chapters of Proverbs, which is more of an introduction to wisdom and folly. But we tend to know Proverbs based on the little kind of one-liners that are throughout the book, how how to live wisely. Well, we can't talk about everything the book of Proverbs talks about, so we've just chosen to pick a number of topics that we think will kind of apply to all of us. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to be walking through those, but we're also going to do something else unique in this series. Uh, there's a group of guys that we, uh, Royce and I, have been meeting with for a while now. We're training them to be elders. We hope that they will be elders at some point. So we decided to leverage this series to give them an opportunity to start preaching. So this summer, uh, some of you guys will also be up here on a Sunday morning uh, preaching. Uh, Chris Olinger is going to kick off the first of those series. Uh, And Chris is going to be teaching on our plans versus God's plans. Uh, After that, Russell Gilkey is going to come, and he's going to teach on the power of the tongue or, or speaking. Uh, C.J. Butention will be up, and he's going to teach on what is a good friend and neighbor. Uh, Royce will be back up to teach on diligence versus laziness. And then Nate Crone is going to wrap us up with what is justice and injustice. So we're going to be working with these guys. 
We're not just going to like throw them up here and say, you know, go for it. Uh, we are training them. Uh, we're, we're really taking our cues from Jesus where he taught his disciples and then he sent them out and let them practice so that they could come back and, and, and talk more about it and be sent back out. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I hope you guys are too, uh, how God's going to speak through these guys over the summertime. So today we're going to be talking about what is biblical wisdom. But before we can talk about what it is, I just have a few things that I want to talk about of what biblical wisdom is not. And the first thing that biblical wisdom is not, it's not high intellect. But many times we think that. Wisdom is more than the possession of high intelligence. Because I know a lot of really smart people that make really bad decisions, right? Uh, Take a cultural example. Uh, Take the cartoons The Simpsons. Simpsons has been around a long time. Uh, In The Simpsons, uh, Bart is considered a fool because of all of his shenanigans, right? But his sister Lisa is considered wise because she's really smart. But when you look at both of the kids and the way that they treat their dad and the disrespect for their parents, we would consider them a fool. Make sense? So the Proverbs would consider both of the kids foolish because of the way they choose to not honor their father. A biblical worldview understands rebellion toward authority is foolishness. The second thing that biblical wisdom is not is biblical wisdom is not moralism. Uh, The challenge with preaching through the Proverbs and talking about wisdom in general is that it really easily leads toward a a works-based righteousness. Uh, Good Christians do these things. Bad Christians do these things. But the Proverbs is not just a bunch of one-liners to teach us how to live in our own strength, but it teaches us that the point of Proverbs, like all of the Old Testament scriptures, is to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. This is 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 16. The book of Proverbs is God's gift to our life for our sanctification. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. So then the goal of Proverbs, as we teach through it, will be to interpret it and apply it the way the Scriptures teach us in a manner that makes us wise for salvation and molds us into the image of Jesus Christ. So then what is biblical wisdom? Solomon, right out the gate in in chapter 1 of Proverbs, lays out a foundation for what biblical wisdom is. We're going to read it together here. I'm going to invite you guys to stand up as we read the Word. It's Proverbs 1, uh, 1 through 7, and then we're going to have a brief prayer afterwards. Uh, The Scripture is going to be up on the screen if you'd like to follow along. Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray. Uh, Father, uh, we come before you uh, opening up your word today because we want to learn uh, who you are and what you've done. Uh, We believe that as we look at your truth, it does sanctify us. It's it's in this process of changing us and making us more into the image of your Son. So I just pray that you would continue that work of sanctification uh, over the next eight weeks as we talk about uh, wisdom versus folly, as we talk about having a relationship with you and walking wisely in everyday life. 
Uh, I pray you would lead us to areas of repentance uh, when our life isn't lining up to your kingdom and your values. Uh, I pray you'd lead us to, to faith and trust in you and not in our own righteousness that we can't uh, do uh, things to make you love us, uh, but it's something, it's just a gift that you've given us. And that relationship that we have with you would then lead us to live uh, wisely. So we would just ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys have a seat. So in verse 1 here, uh, we see that Solomon is the author of Proverbs. Now, there's a couple of other authors in Proverbs toward the end, but the bulk of the Proverbs is from Solomon. Uh, you can read about Solomon receiving a gift of wisdom in 1 Kings 3, 7 through 9. And basically in the text, we see that there's a, a dream that Solomon has, and he talks to God. And in the dream, Solomon asks for a wise heart in order to rule your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to rule this, your great people? So just as the book of James teaches, uh, wisdom comes from, is a gift from God for those who ask of it. Solomon asks for it, and God grants him his wish. And then up here on the screen, 1 Kings 4, 29 through 34, uh, and, and this is how Solomon, uh, God used Solomon after he had this gift. It says, and, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, and breath of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezraite, and Heman, Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish, and people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and from all the kings of the earth who had heard his wisdom." So in the book of Proverbs, uh, the authors uh, all together, uh, they write to impart wisdom to a, a son, basically. Uh, and that son can be an individual. It's the king. It's Solomon's son. But it's also the youth of the nation of Israel. And much of this wisdom that the, that the king, that the fathers give to the son, is just about how to live everyday life. But it's more than just living a virtuous life. It's about how to live in a right relationship with God and therefore in a right relationship with other people. See, when God created his first uh, uh, humans, uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, there was peace between God and Adam and Eve. There was peace between Adam and Eve themselves. And there was peace between our first parents and all of God's creation. But then when humans sinned, it fractured all of those relationships. So Proverbs teaches that when our relationship is right with the Lord, it's our relationships are going to be right with one another. So then in the opening chapters of Proverbs, Solomon the father, he writes to his son, uh, to, and he exhorts his son to have a personal relationship with wisdom. This is the key to understanding and interpreting the book of Proverbs. Wisdom is not just a thing to be learned but it's something to have a relationship with. The father in the book of Proverbs also reveals that there are competing affections for the son. We see that there's the gang of peers. There's also the adulterous woman. And the writer of Proverbs personifies these characters as foolishness. So then the father is, is, is continually throughout the book encouraging his son to marry wisdom and not have an affair with folly. Now, I think this is incredibly practical for us today as the church. Uh, we have 
a hundred different voices a day, always speaking into our ears, always calling us to follow in a different direction. A few of those, as I was thinking about them, we have family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, there's politicians, musicians, movie stars, athletes, there's social media, there's authors, there's billboards, and there's pastors, just to name a few. And all of them are trying to shape our worldview, shape our understanding of, of right and wrong, and pull us in a certain direction. Biblical wisdom is more than just making good choices that affect your life now. Biblical wisdom is making choices that affect our afterlife. Who we listen to determines who we follow. And just being aware that these voices are always pulling us in different directions, exactly what the Father is trying to do to the Son in Proverbs, and having that, our eyes open to the reality of that on a daily basis will make us wiser. So then what is biblical wisdom? Well, Solomon in the first seven verses, he, he names five things that biblical wisdom is. In order to be biblically wise, this is one of the five things that you need to be open to. And here's the first one, and they're also going to be up on the screen here. The first one, biblical wisdom is royal. We see this in, in Proverbs 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, it says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. See, wisdom is royal because it's how a king rules. In Proverbs, Solomon is training his son in wisdom so that he can establish a righteous royal kingdom of God on earth. As we will see, he's also instructing all of the other youth of the nation of Israel in this wisdom and hopes it will also produce in them as well. But the king and the king's son embodies the nation of Israel. If the king is wise, the people are going to be wise. But if the king is unwise, the people will be foolish. The story of the Old Testament, particularly the books of history in the Old Testament, are the story of these kings and whether or not they follow God or they follow their own heart and their own eyes. And in turn, we see the nation of Israel suffering because of it. But see, living uh, royal living and making wise choices is, is not just about living wisely now, because we know that in the future, in the consummated kingdom, when Jesus Christ returns... We, the children of God, those who have been uh, saved through the blood of Jesus Christ, we become heirs as a part of God's kingdom, and we get to rule alongside Jesus Christ in, in God's coming kingdom. Okay, this is what the scriptures teach. So learning to live wisely now has implications for kingdom living later. That should be a whole different perspective on how we live out just the day-to-day actions of daily life. We need to learn wisdom now in the already of God's kingdom so that we can rule wisely in God's future kingdom. The second thing that wisdom, biblical wisdom is, biblical wisdom is, as Solomon points out, correction and understanding. Proverbs 1-2 says, the purpose of the book is to know wisdom and instruction. You could also use discipline instead of instruction in that word. Knowing wisdom is basically knowing what's going on around you. When you think about your life, are you able to read people and situations correctly? If you're not, then that's an area of discipline. We learn discipline through a discipleship relationship, hence the word. 
So we become wise by being warned that we are going in the wrong direction and submitting to that discipline. Solomon's point is that your everyday choices, they say who you're following. They say who's discipling you. How you use your words, how you work, how you manage your money, how you treat the poor, they all reveal whether you're following Jesus in faith or you're following some idol that ultimately means that you're following Satan. If you walk in foolishness, you're following an idol. If you walk in wisdom, you're following Jesus Christ. So now think about this. Do you have relationships in your life right now where someone can correct you? Who has permission to call you out when you are doing wrong? If no one, then you're probably just following your own heart and your own desires. This is why another cell on Christian community, um, I believe that God has designed us to walk so closely with other people in our lives, yes, in a, in a close marital relationship, but I believe also in the, in the family of God. He's designed us to walk so closely in life together that someone can rebuke us when we start heading in the wrong direction. Now, this is incredibly hard because it pushes against a cultural narrative of independence. I am the master of my own domain. I choose my fate. That voice is constantly spoken. That's what the world believes. But the gospel would say that God has made us a family and we're to walk together closely in relationship. It's hard, it's, but it's sanctifying and we will become wise the more that we do it. The third thing that biblical wisdom is. Biblical wisdom is knowing good and evil. So, uh, Solomon walks to this in verse 3. He says, To receive instruction and in wise dealing righteousness, justice, and equity. Solomon uses righteousness, justice, and equity to describe wisdom. So then wisdom is being able to tell the difference between good and evil, right and wrong. In the garden, uh, back to the garden, in the garden of Eden, uh, God created Adam and Eve, and he placed a tree in the center of the, he placed two trees, right? There was a tree of the fruit of life, and then what was the other tree called? Tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? It's a weird name to give a tree, right? Why did God call it the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It's because God wanted Adam and Eve to listen to his word and to know good and evil from him. God told them, I will tell you what is good and evil. But instead, Adam and Eve chose to eat of this tree, right? And so now Adam and Eve choose instead to follow their own voice, thinking that it will make them wise for salvation, which is what the serpent promises them. But instead, it leads them to this broken relationship with themselves, with Adam and Eve. There's a murder recent, right after that, and the story goes downhill really, really fast. Well, this problem of choosing wisdom and allowing God's word to dictate right and wrong is not just a problem for outside of the church. Uh, outside of the church, uh, morality is really determined by the culture, and a lot of times it's determined by the individual for a lot of different reasons. But inside the church family, we would say God decides morality. God's word dictates right and wrong. I, I'm assuming the majority of us in this room would agree with that theoretically. But then let's think about the way that we live our lives. At times we say, I know God's word says that I have no grounds for a divorce, 
But I also know God doesn't want me to be miserable. I know God's word says that I should submit to my husband, but you don't know my husband. I know God's word says that I should be generous, but I also know God realizes I just don't have a lot right now. Biblical wisdom is, is the knowledge of good and evil viewed through the lenses of God's word. And then wisdom is just the daily application of the word of God. Now all of a sudden, just making wise choices has a lot greater implications for our relationship with one another and with God. Fourth thing, uh, uh, Solomon says that wisdom is discernment. He says to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Solomon wants to give discernment to inexperienced youth. Uh, wisdom, like I said earlier, is the ability to read right and wrong. It's the ability to read situations. It's the ability to make a wise choice in an instant. Most kids are not good at this. Like, kids are not born with a whole lot of discernment. Should I chase the ball out into the street? Right? We have to teach them you have to stop, you have to look both ways before you cross the street. Kids will also easily believe whatever they're told because they haven't had the time and the experience to know any differently. Some adults will also easily believe whatever they're told, especially if it fits their worldview and their preferences. Wisdom is learning to discern these different things. And we as adults learn discernment the exact same way that our kids learn discernment through everyday life. A hundred teachable moments a day. See, we don't teach our kids about sex on Monday and then finances on Tuesday and then friendship on Wednesday. We teach them a hundred different things a day through a series of teachable moments. This is how God has always designed his people to work. I think back to Moses in Deuteronomy 6 when God gives Moses the law, uh, the, the Shema, the Lord, um, I'm the Lord your God, and I, you shall love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he goes on to say, parents, teach your kids this when they walk and when they lay down and write it on the doorposts of your cities. It's about leveraging everyday life to believe that God is using it to teach us something and to sanctify us. Biblical wisdom takes discernment. The fifth thing biblical wisdom is, biblical wisdom is obtaining guidance. Uh, Solomon says this in verses 5 and 6. He says, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. See, Solomon here is not just talking to children because he says, let the wise hear. Well, if you're wise, doesn't that mean that you've like arrived at some state of knowledge and, a, and of attainment? Well, Solomon would say, no, we never arrive anywhere in life. The truly wise will always have the humility to know that they still need to listen to counsel instead of having the arrogance to think that they've got it all figured out. We all need to hear the Proverbs over and over again throughout our lives because those are training us for righteousness and molding us into the image of Jesus Christ. Solomon then says the point of the book is to help you understand these wise sayings so that you can be wise and make wise decisions in everyday life. So in summary, biblical wisdom is being corrected and disciplined. Biblical wisdom is understanding and being able to read situations. Biblical wisdom is godly morality 
Biblical wisdom is justice. Biblical wisdom is discretion and discernment of right and wrong, stupid and smart. Biblical wisdom is learning, uh, learning instruction and receiving guidance. Now, we really need Proverbs, don't we? These next eight weeks are going to be very refining for us as a church community. So now that we understand what biblical wisdom is, how do we get it? Well, Solomon also talks about that. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of, or I would say reverence of the Lord, is the beginning of gaining wisdom. It's, it's connecting the everyday nitty-gritty details of your life lived in the fear of Yahweh. There's no sacred and secular divide to life. Many times we think coming here to church or reading my Bible or sacred things and then going to work or sports activities or my money, those are just secular or neutral parts of my lives. But here's the thing, the everyday decisions of life are indicators of whether or not we actually fear and follow God. So we have to make the connection between everyday experiences and our relationship with God because it's through that relationship with God that we learn to live wisely. Wow. Now wisdom isn't just about attaining knowledge. It's much greater than that. Think about it. What if, what if wisdom isn't a concept or an idea that you learn? What if wisdom is a person that you can know and have a relationship with? What if wisdom is a person that you can love and walk with? And just by knowing and loving and walking with this person, it'll actually make you wise. What if wisdom was a person who spoke to you? And by listening to wisdom voice, you could actually grow in wisdom. See, Solomon understand the reality that wisdom wasn't a thing. It was actually a person. Well, wisdom has a name. And we know that that name is the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the wisdom of God. See, knowing him personally will make you wise. Through Jesus, you can now be reconciled back to God, back to one another, and back to creation. By knowing Jesus and being like him, we will be empowered to walk in the wisdom of Proverbs. Therefore, Proverbs, read through the lenses of Jesus, it's concerned about living everyday life through a relationship with the Messiah. Wow. So if if we're walking in wisdom in everyday life, then we're walking with Jesus. And if we're walking in foolishness, we're not walking with Jesus. But we live in a culture that rewards and prizes foolish living. I, I think the most obvious example of this is the, the, the sitcom The Big Bang Theory. You know, I like The Big Bang Theory as much as anybody else. It's about a bunch of really smart people. And the irony is they do really stupid things most of the time, right? But it's prized. God has called us to live differently. And my prayer for us as a church is that as we walk through Proverbs, what we'll hear is the voice of Jesus calling us into a relationship with Him and calling us to righteous living. As we prepare now to take communion, uh, I want us to look at 1 Corinthians uh, 1.30 and 31. It's up here on the screen. 
Paul kind of makes this connection between our wisdom and, and God's wisdom. Paul says this, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. If you have responded to faith in Jesus Christ, I'm going to invite you to come now and to receive communion. But remember that we boast not in our own wisdom. We boast in, the, in Christ, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. And the more that we boast in Christ, and the more that we remind our hearts of the wisdom and the love that we receive from Christ, the more we grow in that relationship with Christ. And then that lends us to then see life as, a, as an opportunity to live every day wisely for our King until He returns. I want to invite you guys to do that. And I want to invite you guys to commit to the next eight weeks as we walk through the Proverbs together as a church. Uh, read it in your time at home. Open up your Bible. Let God speak to you during that time. And let's grow in our relationship with our Lord. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, for Proverbs, uh, a book that was written uh, so many thousands of years ago. But it is so rich for our life today. We thank you that your word does train us. It does rebuke us. It does correct us. It calls us to a righteous living. And, and we stand before you today, God, as a people who are just like Adam and Eve. Uh, we know that your way is the best way, but we continue to listen to Satan. And we continue to follow on this other path of things that we think are going to make us wise. And it's foolishness. And so we want to repent of that now, Father. And we want to learn to walk wisely. We, many of us have just been walking away from you down this path. And, and we've seen where our foolishness has led us. All of our vanity, all of our, all of our works, it hasn't brought us to you and it hasn't brought us happiness. And so today we repent of that, Father. And we pray that you would continue to make us wise for salvation. That you would use your word as a knife to our hearts in all these different areas where we, we look for wisdom, we look for satisfaction. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the grace. As we, as we take communion and we remember that grace and we taste it all over again, would we desire you more than foolishness? Would we desire you more than uh, anything else that the world has to offer us? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please visit us at www.redseachurch.org or contact us at info at redseachurch.org.